In John 15, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. And he is leaving them, and he begins to talk with them about the fruitful life. God has saved us to come and live in us and produce through us his life. It's not you and me producing the fruit. It's God producing the fruit. And when Jesus comes to live in you, there is an upward fruit that's produced, a, a fruit of worship, where God becomes everything. He becomes central. We live to make him known and to know him. There is an inner fruit of Christ-likeness. Paul defined it as nine attributes of the Holy Spirit of God who displayed in your life when he comes to live there. And you'll see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So there's an upward fruit of worship. God becomes central. There's an inner fruit of Christ-likeness born out in the fruit of his life. And there's an outer fruit as we become witnesses for him. We testify for him. We show his light to the world. We become engaged in mission. We give, we pray, we serve. We become engaged with God in the work that he's doing in the world. When that fruit is present, it's a sign that you are engaging in the abundant life he's offering. We are the branches. He is the vine. He produces the fruit. And that's what Jesus was relating here in John 15. When he said in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Let's pray together. Father, the abundant life is what you're offering, and we are engaged together in learning what that's about. This week, our focus is on the joy of a fruitful life, a life that is actually given over for you to live your life through us, producing only the fruit that you can produce. So, Lord, I pray you'll help us this week to embrace these things. Thank you for what we are learning. So many times, God, in my own life, I try so hard to produce this fruit on my own, but I can't. And I'm so encouraged to know that you will produce this fruit and bring the joy. And we thank you for what you're going to show us in Jesus' name. Amen.
When Carla and I came to Antioch in 1983, I was thrilled to be living in a place where I could plant fruit trees. It wasn't that in New England you didn't have fruit, they had fruit. It wasn't that in Washington or Oregon they didn't have fruit, they had fruit. But here, I could have an orange tree. I could have a lemon tree. I could grow a nectarine tree. So I planted all, all of those in our backyard. One day I was in the backyard, got too close to the nectarine tree doing something I wasn't supposed to do, and I snapped a branch off. Didn't actually sever all the way, just bent over and was still attached by a little piece of bark. So I bent it back up carefully. I took black electrical tape and I wrapped it all around that branch. <laughs> and it looked great for a couple of days. Then I noticed the leaves started to wither. There were no blossoms. <laughs> Eventually the bark began to dry out and there was certainly no fruit. You see, it looked like it was attached to the vine, but it wasn't. It looked like it was attached to the main tree, but it wasn't. The branch was dead, and so I cut it off. But the other branches were doing well. And I'll tell you, there was joy when I began to see that fruit growing on those branches. Jesus said people are a lot like branches. Those connected to him will bear much fruit. It won't be them producing the fruit. It'll be him producing the fruit through them. You see, there's a lot of people who look like branches, but they bear no fruit because they're not really connected to the vine. That was the parable, the analogy, the metaphor Jesus was using to describe to his disciples the joy of a fruitful life. We're in week two of our study, The Abundant Life living the joy of relationship with God. Last week we focused on the fact that the abundant life that Jesus offers has nothing to do with the money we make, the health we have, the things we possess, or the circumstances we face. The abundance Jesus offers is directly related to the experience of living in relationship with him. The abundant life flows out of an abundance of God in your life. And if God is abundantly present in you, then you can experience the joy of a fruitful life. The fruit of God's life lived out in you and through you to bless others and to bring glory to him. In John 15, this is the last of the seven great I am statements that Jesus gave. I am, identifying himself as God in human flesh. And here he says, I am the true vine. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples at the Last Supper. On the next day, he's going to be going to the cross, and he's going to be dying there for the sins of the world. So he prays, and he begins to prepare his disciples to experience the joy of his presence in a different way, in a more powerful way. He will now come in the person of his Holy Spirit, and he's going to live in them. He said in John 14, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to them. On that day, Jesus said, when I come to live in you, you're going to realize there's a difference. 
Their life, their joy will no longer now depend on living continually on their own with him, but they're going to be living with him in them. A union so strong that it will not be them living, but Jesus living in them and through them. He would be the vine, they would be the branches. The fruit produced in their life would be his fruit. Which is why Jesus reminds us in John 15, people who live the abundant life are people who live the joy of a fruitful life. But the question is, how can you have this fruitful life? People try to live it. Many Christians try to live it, and they get exhausted trying. Well, Jesus tells them in John 15, if you're going to have this fruitful life, you've got to be connected to the vine. And then you've got to remain in the vine. The joy of a fruitful life belongs to those who are truly connected to the vine, who is Jesus. This is what he said in verse 1. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Not all things are as they appear. I was reading an article by Sarah Germano, uh, an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal just a couple of years ago. And in that article, she was asking the question, why work out when you can just buy the clothes and look like you did? <laughs> Intriguing. So I went on to say this. The article explores a growing trend in the athletic apparel market. People are buying sports clothing without actually practicing the sport. The article notes the U.S. athletic apparel market will increase by nearly 50% to more than $100 billion of retail by 2020, driven in large part by consumers snatching up stretchy tees and leggings that will never see the fluorescent lights of a gym. <laughs> For instance, sales of yoga apparel increased by 45%, but yoga participation grew by less than 5%. The trend isn't limited to yoga. Outdoor and camping retailers have tapped into this trend, and they've developed new lines of hiking boots and flannel shirts for people who will never go hiking or camping. <laughs> retailers are also rolling out jogging pants and preppy $90 men's running shorts for men to wear who will never go jogging. You see, just because you call yourself an athlete doesn't mean you are. Just because you have the appearance of a jogger doesn't mean you jog. And just because you call yourself a Christian or you've adapted a Christian lifestyle or you go to church or you hang out with Christian friends or you go to Christian Bible studies doesn't mean you're really a Christian. People can have the appearance of being a branch, but they're not connected to the vine. Jesus said that true branches are connected to the true vine. Verse one, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain also, as I remain also, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The word remain means to abide in, to dwell in, to be inseparably connected to. You can't remain in a vine to whom you are never vitally connected. That vital connection to Jesus takes place when you believe the gospel and by faith you are born again. You come into relationship with God. You recognize that what God said is true. You are a sinner separated from God. That sin that separates you will forever if it isn't forgiven. You believe that Jesus is God in human flesh who died on a cross paying for that sin. He was, he was sacrificed and taken down and buried in the tomb and three days later he rose again victorious and he's alive today. And he's offering hope and forgiveness and eternal life to those who will believe and receive him. Now when you believe that gospel message and you respond to Christ and invite him into your life, he comes to live there. And you can't be the same with Christ living in you as you were when he wasn't. That vital connection is life. People separated from God cannot bear God's fruit in their lives because they're not connected to the true vine and they have no life. Now, people who aren't connected to the vine can show love, they can show kindness, they can even be good. Remember, people, all people, are created in the image of God. And while sin separates us from God, sin has not destroyed every vestige of God's image in the humanity he has created. So yes, we have capacity at times to do good things, to even love, to be kind. But that's a far cry from the fullness of the fruit of Christ's likeness that he wants to produce in a life in which he lives, where it's not us living, it's him. In fact, when the apostle Paul became a Christian, he was so radically transformed, he described the difference like this in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I know longer live. But Christ lives in me. And this life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, without Jesus, you have no life. So you can't produce his fruit. He has to produce it. And he doesn't produce it in a life where he doesn't live. The good news is God has given us life in his son. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is life. To be separated from him is to be dead. And if you are separated from him, you're not going to produce fruit. God's going to cut you off. You are not going to be his. You aren't his. That's why John wrote in 1 John 5, verse 11, this is the testimony. You remember last week? God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. 
Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And as we saw last week, Jesus said that life we have in him is the abundant life, life to the full. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If anyone tries to find fulfillment in life in anyone or anything other than Jesus, they're just pursuing a thief. Those things can't give you life. They can only steal, kill, and destroy it. The primary evidence that you have life, the primary evidence that you are connected to the vine is that Jesus, the vine, is producing his fruit in you. Pastor Matt Pierce wrote so well in his workbook this week. As Christ-following believers, we're not just in relationship with Jesus, we're connected to him. We're part of his body. We think his thoughts. We feel his emotions. We yearn for the things that are important to him. And why? Because he lives in us. He is at work in us. He is conforming us to his image. He's renewing our minds. He's changing our hearts. He's aligning our will with his will. We are one. We are united. Amazing. Amazing indeed. That's why Jesus said, if there is no fruit, there's probably no life. And probably evidence that you are not connected to the vine. And God's going to cut you off. That's why Jesus said in John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He cuts it off. He lifts it up, literally carries it away. People, this is not loss of salvation. You would have to deny dozens of verses that teach the security of a believer who has truly come to faith in Jesus Christ. You are cut off if you claim to be a Christian, but there's no fruit. There is no real worship of God, no upward fruit. There is no Christ-likeness qualities, that inward fruit. There is no witness, no giving, no praying, no serving, no involvement, no desire for the glory of God, then by every measure, you're a fruitless branch because you're not connected to the vine. And you're going to get cut off. You are cut off. God cuts you off not because you lose your salvation, but because your fruitless life proves you were never saved. You look like a branch, but you're not. But if your life is fruitful, God will prune you to make you more fruitful. That's why he said, I am the vine, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. He cleans it. He purifies it. He does this through the word of God and through the trials and circumstances of life. That's how he prunes us. The, the word of God is a sharp pruning knife. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates 
even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare for the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God sees what's going on in our life. He sees those places where we're not producing Christ's fruit. But if we're one of his, we're connected to the vine. He uses the word of God to judge our thoughts, to measure the attitudes of our heart, to expose things that were hidden, to show us the places where we're not walking with him. And he uses those things to produce in us, to prune us, to cleanse us, and to make us more like his son. And that's what the trials of life are doing. Not just the word of God, but the trials in life God is using to discipline us. The writer in Hebrews 12 and verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. If you don't see God pruning you, he's telling them, then it ought to question whether or not you're really his. Verse 9, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's God's pruning. That discipline through hardships is forming us into the image of Jesus. And people, the more fruitful your life becomes for God, the closer you get to him, the more he reveals himself in your life, the more pruning you're going to experience. The more the word of God's going to expose that needs to be addressed. And the more you may go through trials so that in you he can produce his glory. And when you see that abundant fruit of Christ being produced in your life, it brings joy, no matter what you're facing. Because you know that it's God producing his fruit because you're connected to him. And not just because we are connected to him, but the joy of the fruitful life belongs to those who remain in Jesus. He said in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Each year at Christmas, I put lights up on our house. I pull them out of a box or a bag and they look like this. Now, I start in October because it takes me a couple of months just to figure out how to get that untangled. Now, I have all of our lights running into our garage, so I needed a source that I could plug a lot of things into, so I went to the store and I bought a power strip. So when I set it up in the garage, I take this power strip and I plug the lights in, and then, of course, I take the power strip and I plug it in. (laughs) And nothing happens. I try the switch, nothing happens. I go back, I look at the box, and it says power strip on the outside. But there is no power. So I take this useless power strip, and I plug it into the wall like this, and the thing lights up. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? And when I unplug it, the lights go out. Now, why is that? Because a power strip has no power in and of itself. You can plug things into it all day, and they're not going to light up. Because a power strip has no power. People, Christians are a lot like a power strip. We have no power or ability to do anything for Jesus. Unless we are plugged into the power source, who is Christ himself. And then amazingly, he supplies the power to produce his life. Jesus said he was the true vine and no branch can produce fruit without him. He said in verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If I unplug that power strip from the wall, the lights go out because there's no power in the power strip. When a Christian allows his life to stop drawing the power of Christ to live that life, the light of Christ will go out because you can't produce it on your own. We got to remain in him. We have to abide in him, he said. We have to dwell in him. We have to stay in vital union with him. A branch that tries to produce fruit without the vine will fail. Check this out. A branch remaining in the vine cannot fail. Because it isn't the branch, it's the vine that produces the fruit. This is why Jesus said in John 15, verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's the kind of branch you look like. If you claim to be a Christian, but there's no fruit produced in your life, you're like a branch that withers. You're useless. Those branches get picked up and burned. 
You don't ever want to live like that. You don't want to have a Christian life where there's no fruit. In fact, when John wrote in John 15, 6, he's quoting Jesus who used the Greek definite article, you are like the branch that is thrown away, withers, is picked up and burns. You are like a specific branch he was referring to. Some commentators think it refers to Judas Iscariot, who everyone thought was a real branch, but he wasn't. So he withered, was destroyed, and cut off. And that could be certainly true, the branch he was talking about, because in the upper room, Judas had just betrayed him and left. But it could also mean the branch referred to in verse 2 that the father cuts off because it bears no fruit. I'm not much of a gardener. All those fruit trees I told you I planted, they're all dead. They're long dead. I got, I got one apple tree left that's struggling for survival. And I found out I've been pruning the thing, but I'm pruning the wrong branches. You see, I'm pruning the branches that are connected to the main stem that are producing the fruit. But there are some branches that are just connected to the branches. And they're not producing anything. They're just sucking life off the other branches. People, some Christians look like branches, but they're not connected to the vine. They're connected to other Christians. They're connected to the church. They're connected to a Christian lifestyle. They're connected to a Bible study. They're connected to a small group. They're connected to a bunch of things, but they're not connected to Jesus. And some of those branches may actually be Christians. But they're not drawing their strength from God. They're not living for Jesus. It's not his sap throwing, flowing through their life. They're trying to live this on their own. And their lives are pretty much fruitless. People, Jesus left no possibility for prolonged fruitlessness. We, we all have periods in our life where we're not as fruitful as we'd like to be. We don't see as much of Jesus as we'd like. I get it. I experience those times too. But there's no place that Jesus left for prolonged fruitlessness, endless going on without seeing the fruit of Christ being produced in your life. And people, if there is no fruit, you're not abiding in him. You're not living in him. You're not remaining in the flow of the power of God in the spirit of Christ. This is why when people come to ask me to pray for their loved ones, I almost, especially if I don't know them, I always ask, is your loved one a Christian? Are they a follower of Jesus? Very often they say, I'm not sure. And I say to them, look, I don't want to alarm you. I don't know them. I don't know their heart. I don't know their commitments. I don't know anything. But I have to tell you, if you're telling me your loved one, who you live close to every day, who you see their life, you examine their fruit, you see how they live, and you're telling me that in watching that, you don't know if they're connected to the true vine Jesus, I got to tell you, I'm concerned. They're probably not. Christians who remain in him produce fruit, Jesus said. 
Because Jesus is producing it. How do you remain in vital connection, drawing his spiritual power to be displayed in your life? He said you do it through the word of God and prayer. That's how you draw the strength of Christ into your life. That's how he displays it in you. That's why he said in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. People who fill their lives with the word of God and who live in relationship with God in prayer and obedience will see that fruit being produced, fruit, 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 seeing that fruit (laughs) produced in their life. Puberty is a terrible thing. (laughs) And you'll see that fruit produced when you ask for it because when you're in the word, you're discovering the will of God and the mind and the heart of God. So now in a desire to worship God, you begin to ask God to produce and fulfill in you the very things his word is describing. And God said, you ask for any of that, you're going to get it. He's going to do it. And he said in verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, my reproducing followers. Pastor Matt put it like this in the workbook this week. It's important to note that although a branch cannot attach itself to a vine, once it's in place, it can begin drawing on all the amazing energy the vine has to offer. And in the case of Jesus, that's a never-ending supply. What an incredible picture of our union with Christ. And then he quotes from John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You see? You ask to produce the fruit that God reveals here, he's going to show it. He's going to do it. Matt went on to say, we didn't attach ourselves to the vine. Jesus chose us and made it possible for us to be branches connected to him so he could produce fruit through us. Once we become Christians, he expects us to remain in him as he remains in us. In other words, now that we are saved, we have the incredible opportunity and privilege to immerse ourselves in the vine. And by faith, we continually draw on the power Christ provides. To do this successfully, we have to detach from other things, worldly things, that we're still trusting in to give us what only God can provide. Jesus alone has the power we so desperately need in order to obey him and to live out the Christian life. Intentionally drawing close to him and entering the most holy place to dwell in his presence is a responsibility we have as believers. This is something we can do, something he expects us to do. We come to him in humility, broken and in need of his cleansing, purifying grace, We come in faith, trusting that he loves us and will receive us as we are. We come to his word through prayer. We come to his body, the church. We come to his throne in our hearts. And when we come, he's there, faithful every time to provide mercy and forgiveness for our cleansing and spiritual strength so that we can remain obedient and fulfill our calling, our calling for which we were chosen to bear fruit that will last. People who have God's spirit in them, he said. People who have God's word in them. People who seek God's will to be done in them 
will bear this fruit because they are remaining in the vine. And when you see that fruit being born out in your life through the word and prayer, it's a confirmation that we are in him and he is us and he is in us. And the life he's producing is the abundant life, the fruitful life. The fruit of a godly life cannot be produced by ourselves. I don't know if any of you recognize the name of the British actor H.B. Warner. Uh, you've probably seen him and didn't know it. His, uh, his career really got launched in 1927 in a silent film by Cecil B. DeMille. You know the Ten Commandments guy? He did a film called King of Kings. You probably know H.B. Warner much later. 19 years later, he had his commanding role, his most popular role, as the druggist, Mr. Gower, in The Wonderful Life. But his career began in silent film. When Cecil B. DeMille signed a contract with him, he sought to eliminate from Warner's life everything that was inconsistent with how he perceived Jesus. In this article I was reading, it said, as a result, Cecil B. DeMille enforced strict measures to ensure that, what Warner, that Warner kept up a good Jesus image, or what DeMille thought would be a good representation of Jesus. Both Warner and his co-star, Dorothy Cumming, who played Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to sign agreements that barred them for five years from appearing in film roles that might compromise their holy screen images. During the filming, Warner was driven to the set with blinds drawn, and he wore a black veil. He was delivered to the set. They didn't want his grouchy look or his disheveled look in any way to reflect on Jesus. DeMille separated Warner from the other cast members, even forcing him to eat alone every day. Warner couldn't play cards, couldn't go to ball games, couldn't ride in a convertible, apparently that was sinful, or go swimming. Unfortunately, the regimen of rules and regulations didn't make Warner more holy. Instead, all the pressure to be more Christ-like without actually having Christ in him seemed to drive Warner over the edge. And during the production of King of Kings, rather than acting more like Jesus, Warner was driven back into an addiction to alcohol. He could not stand the pressure. People, I can't live for Jesus a second on my own. And I know this because I've tried. And because God tells me I can't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If a person tries to live a godly Christian life in their own effort, it only leads to exhaustion, disillusionment, and frustration. It is not fulfillment, and it is not joy. This is why our memory verse for this week is John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see the fruit of a godly life being produced in you? 
If not, I want to suggest you may have all the appearance of a branch, but you are not connected to the vine. You may be religious. You may even be good. You may be connected to the church or your Christian friends or a host of other things, but you're not connected to Jesus. You need to be saved. Or if you know that you're a Christian and that fruit was there more vibrantly at one time, but it's waning a bit, are you remaining in him? Is his word filling you up every day? Are you praying and connecting with God and crying out for his will to be done in you and through you? The abundant life Jesus spoke about is a fruitful life, a life lived out in daily demonstration of Christ in you. These things are challenging. These things are convicting. Sometimes they're a bit alarming, especially for people who think they're really a branch, but they're not, or people who know at once they were connected, but they're not living a fruitful life. Jesus didn't write these things to scare us. He didn't write these things to hurt us or discourage us. He told us why he said these things. In verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The joy of a fruitful life. The abundant life. The joy of living in relationship with God. Father, I have a lot to learn about this. But I don't have to be a 50-year person who walks with Jesus. I began to see some of this fruit in my life the day I got saved. And so have many of my brothers and sisters. We begin to see you taking more focus in our life. That's that upward fruit of worship. We begin to see Christ-like character being demonstrated in our life. We know it isn't us. It's you producing that. That's that inward fruit of Christ-likeness. We begin to see ourselves serving, using our gifts, witnessing to others, concerned about their salvation, living our lives in such a way that we realize you are actually living in us and living your life out through us, and we see that fruit, and it brings us joy. And yes, Lord, there are many difficult trials that come. Christian life is not easy. That's why you never expected us to live it on our own. You said, I will come. I will live in you and you in me. Father, thank you for this reminder. This abundant life is what you're offering to every one of us. And living the fruitful life is part of that joy. You're offering it to everyone. May we be ready to be connected and remain so that our joy in you may be complete. And God, if you would bring yourself glory through that, there will be no higher joy for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.